Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 238 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. In today's episode, we welcome back Mike Carmen, the Purdue football beat reporter at the Journal and Courier in West Lafayette, to discuss this year's matchup with Purdue. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for the latest deals, cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Reach out to Monty at 402-770-3356. We are really excited to have Mike Carmen from the Journal and Courier, beat reporter covering Purdue, uh, here on the show again with us. Mike, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're excited. You may be the only one of us that 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 is excited right now. Always, always a pleasure <laughs> on my end. Um, I want to start off by talking a little bit about uh, a couple of Nebraska defensive coaches. Um, so I personally think Bo Pelini kind of got a rough deal with LSU this year because I don't think he really had a spring football. Like I think he was hired after spring football and never got his system plugged in, and it was a disaster, and he got fired. Is there any similar? Benefit of the doubt that Diaco should get? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. No, he was, I mean, he was, he was hired before they, you know, before they started spring ball and, um, and then the, the, the pandemic hit, but, um, the stories that I've heard similar to stories that you guys have heard, you know, began to surface and, and I think Jeff Brom knew last summer he had made a mistake and couldn't you know he, he was in a point where he couldn't do anything about it and it just kind of festered i i think it got so bad that if they would have had an actual 12 game season i think that brom probably would have made a mid-season firing at the coordinator position uh, on defense if um if they had played a full season but they only played six games so cut him loose at the end i don't believe he has a new job uh, so they're paying him over 600 grand not to coach. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not a good deal for Purdue, uh, a program that is not great defensively. And then you add all that together and, but then, you know, the, the, on top of all that, I mean, they were, they were in every game last year. Well, I was just, I was just going to say that I was looking back through the scores before we got on the call here. And I was like, how is the Nebraska game that close? I mean, it was up down to within a touchdown right at the end there. Right. I mean, if you remember, Nebraska blocked a punt on the first possession. They got up big, what, 17 nothing or something like yeah, that. 17-0, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, in, in all the other games, Purdue was was right there with Northwestern, with uh, Rutgers, with Minnesota. I mean, they're, they're, they're right there despite all the, the issues they were having defensively. They were right there mm-hmm. uh, where if they make a play here or – they get the benefit of a call at Minnesota, which the phantom pass interference on the tight end that cost them a chance to go ahead late. 
um, you know, that, that changed their season big time. So, I mean, they were right there despite all these kind of internal issues that were bubbling over on the defensive end. So uh, that can tell you a couple things that they were, you know, right there. And now with the change on defense from a coaching standpoint, that that will push them over the edge or you don't know. I mean, you just yeah. you don't know with the new group what what it's going to be, and so we're very very uh, very interested to see that that side of the ball and what what happens there this year. You know, generally speaking, I think Brahms well respected, but man, did he not call references? Like how 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 do you hire a guy that quickly and that quickly? You real if you you're realizing that quickly you've made a mistake. Like if you done a little bit more legwork on the front end, maybe you'd have hired someone different. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, but. As much problems that Diaco had at uh, Nebraska, you know, he didn't have those problems at Louisiana Tech where he came from, or he didn't have those issues at Notre Dame when he was there for a long time. Now, he had some issues at Connecticut when he was the head coach. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess, surprising thing is he had a guy on his staff, Anthony Poindex, who actually worked with Diaco at Connecticut. So whether those two didn't hmm. communicate or one didn't help the other out, I don't, I don't know for sure. Uh, but yeah, you know, hindsight is if, yeah, I do a little bit more research, you'd figure that out, you know, but he got rid of Nick Holt, which was a popular defensive coordinator, really good defensive coordinator. So in his mind, he had to get a bigger name or a guy that would, you know, uh, that would resonate with his players, resonate with his fan base. And he, you know, Diaco does have that name recognition, but it would just, it was a bad hire and we'll see how long it takes for Purdue to rebound from this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's, uh, I mean, last season started out promising with the victory over Iowa and then uh, beating Illinois, then the game against Wisconsin's canceled. And then you have a, a four game losing streak with then two cancellations all those losses, Nebraska's a 10-point loss, but the other losses were all one-score losses. Um, so it's a two-and-four season with a lot of what-ifs, um, a lot of could-have-beens. So now you move into – so who is the new defensive coordinator? Well, uh, it's going to take a minute to explain. Okay. Uh, the way Brom <laughs> does things is no one can be just the defensive coordinator. Okay. So we got to have three co-defensive coordinators. Now, on the offensive side, he is technically the offensive coordinator, but there's two guys on the offensive side that are co-offensive coordinators. It's a, you know, some of it (laughs) feels like this is kindergarten. Everybody's got to have a title because you don't want to upset somebody else. Or it's a money thing where you give them a co-title that they can give give them more money. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, Brad Lambert uh, is technically the play caller. And he's going to coach linebackers. So he'll be calling the plays from the defensive standpoint. But Mark Hagan, who's defensive line coach, and Ron English, a former head coach at Eastern Michigan and came to Purdue from Florida, is also going to be a co-defensive coordinator. And he'll work in the secondary. Brahm's big deal on this, that he wants input from everybody. I think, as you know, Diaco was not a uh, guy that liked to collaborate. You know, it was his way or nobody's way. Um and I think Jeff is trying to pull that in a little bit and Jeff is trying to help. He's more involved with the defense. That can be a good thing or it can be, it can turn into a disaster. Um, I, I'm, I'm always one that says, Hey, just, just play to your strengths. <laughs> Whatever you're good at, do that. Don't try to do 
everybody else's job. Sure. Uh, so we'll see how that all works out. But Brad Lambert, and sorry to ramble, but Brad no, Lambert you said will, it was going to take a while. <laughs> is the play caller, and he'll he'll coach linebackers. He was at Marshall last year. They led the country in a couple of categories. I think points allowed, <laughs> uh, rushing yards allowed. Now, how much of that can translate? What he does to Purdue in the Big Ten level remains to be seen, uh, but that is a uh, at least a positive from that standpoint. And all three of those guys, or two, two, two of the guys, are previous head coaches. As I mentioned, Ron English is a former head coach. Uh, Brad Lambert is a former head coach at Charlotte. Uh, knew Jeff Brown when they were both in the uh, Sun Belt, and then Mark Hagan's got extensive experience coaching at Texas, Texas A and M, Indiana. Uh, he used to be at Purdue back under Joe Tiller. So I think they have a good defensive staff. It's just a matter if they can, if they have enough players and if they can, if they can do the things they want to do on the defensive side. So looking at now at the players for a moment, where do you see strengths and weaknesses on this roster? Well, the other thing you got to count, uh, count into this season is that they've added a lot of transfers. Um, but they also bring a question because a lot of these guys didn't play at their previous school. Um, so we, you know, you don't know, you don't have any large sample size as as far as what they may contribute, but the whole part of Jeff Brom's goal was to, okay, let's highlight the best players on defense. And that's George Karloftis at defensive end. You know, he is their best player on defense. So, you know, the scheme is designed around him to showcase his skill set. And I would look for him to have um, a really good year. Now, he's he's going to face some obstacles with double teams and chipping and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think he's poised to have a really big year. Um, Demarcus Mitchell is supposed to play the other end spot. But there's some questions whether he will he will be with the team when camp starts. Uh but he's a guy that played linebacker a little bit for him last year. They moved him to their Leo position um, to get more pressure in the backfield, but also help in pass coverage. But, you know, they've got a couple transfers that are going to play the defensive line or at least be in the mix for the defensive line. And one of them is a junior college guy. And those sometimes those players, it takes a year for them to really adapt to Big Ten football. Um, linebacker and core is just – there's not a – like a star – stand out of the group i mean they're they're solid but not you don't have this one guy i guess the one recognizable name would be jalen alexander one of their top tacklers from a year ago but it's a solid group good group but no no star there secondary needs some work they need some depth uh but they do have some experience at the safety spot um so again another long answer to a question that shouldn't have taken that long but that's (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of kind of where they're at, but their their plan is to be more aggressive, and they've got to be better on third down, um, and they're they're willing to give up some plays to to keep the aggressive part of it going. Okay, how about offensively? What where's uh, how's the team looking on that side of the ball? Well, once again, you know Jeff probably will not name a starting quarterback until the week of the first game, or as I like to say, seventy five minutes before the first game when the starter comes out and takes the snap under the number one center. Mm. <laughs> He's done that for four years. Mm. Uh, so it's, I think it's going to be Jack Plummer or Aiden O'Connell. Uh, they've both been in the program a long time. Uh, Plummer was uh, Brahms' first quarterback recruit way back in 2017 as a commitment. Um, so he's been in the program a long time. 
I think it's time for him to take the job and get the job and win the job. Aiden O'Connell's a, a, a former walk-on who came in when Plummer got hurt a couple years ago against Nebraska uh, and led them on the game-winning drive to, to beat the Huskers. I remember. And also did it the next game against Northwestern. Uh, so he, he's got a he's got a flair for the traumatic for him, but he he's solid, good good completion percentage guy. He's not as mobile as Plummer. Uh, I think Jeff would like to get his quarterback at least in the position to run a little bit more than they have in the past, whether it's design runs or just scramble runs or, or just being able to shift the pocket uh, to to make a throw. Uh, but you know, Plummer's got all those tools, um, and I think it's it's time for him to win the job now. Whether he does. You know, I have no, last time I checked, I don't have a say in it. So, you know, they've got to improve their running game though. They've been last in the big 10 the last couple of years. Uh, and it's not this, this, this program's not going to produce 200 yards on the ground on a weekly basis, but they've got to be able to convert third and fourth and short in the second half when you're trying to keep the ball. And that's been a problem for them. Uh, so they've got to improve their running game from that standpoint. And then the receivers, David Bell, recognizable name he'll he'll have a big year but now you know you lost Rondell Moore who fills in that spot probably right now TJ Sheffield uh would be the starter at the slot position and then you've got uh some other guys that need to step up their game Milton Wright needs to be more consistent uh Marshawn Rice is a receiver who's been injured his first couple years but appears to be healthy going into camp uh they did get a transfer from Marshall uh Brock Thompson Who's, who's from Indianapolis, uh, went to Ben Davis, um, caught 30-some passes last year, so he has some experience, and I think he'll he'll work into the mix as well. But then the big question always with Purdue on offense is the offensive line. Um, they, they used to have some depth about a year ago, but now they've lost like four guys due to, due to injuries. Um, so their death, depth has been whittled into a little bit, but they did get a grad transfer from Western Kentucky, uh, Tyler Witt, who will probably start at right guard. They have some experience coming back, uh, but depth is going to be a, a big issue uh, again for them. I'm uh, I'm looking here at the 2021 schedule for Purdue. Interesting non-con slate, host Oregon State, go to UConn, go to Notre Dame. Then you've got uh, Illinois and Minnesota at home, go to Iowa, host Wisconsin, come to Nebraska on the 30th of October. Um, host Michigan State, go to Ohio State, and then you finish with Northwestern and Indiana at home. What um, what do you think is a reasonable expectation for this team in light of this schedule? Well, the to me, the bottom line is they just got to figure out a way to win six games. Yep. I mean, they they just no. It doesn't matter who you beat, but you got to win six. I, I just and not and if they don't win six, it doesn't mean Brahms out the door. Um, but I, to me, that's what this season is about. Just trying to find a way to win six, kind of get the program back on track where it was in 2017 and 2018, get it pointed in the right direction, uh, bring some excitement back, you know, get the old Jeff Brown who was here those first couple years with some of his creative play calling and, you know, bring some fun back to Ross aid stadium in the last couple of years, it's kind of been, uh, you know, just not an enjoyable place, not, not only because they lost, but there just seemed to be something me- missing. Now, COVID played a role in that last year, I believe. But I, and I think Jeff needs, just needs to get back to who he is. And he's an aggressive, 
kind of coach, aggressive play caller, aggressive um, communicator, especially with his quarterbacks. Uh, not that he needs to scream at his quarterbacks all the time, but he, he needs to something was something's been missing the last couple of years. And I think he needs to get it back. Uh, you know, they have an opportunity to get off to a good start in those first five games. Uh, Notre Dame obviously will be the toughest one, but you're at home against Oregon State, which is an equal level program to you from the Pac-12. Connecticut didn't even play last year. You know, that's a game you, you must win. And then you get, uh, you know, Illinois and Minnesota at home. They've had yeah. problems with Minnesota uh, since P.J. Fleck took over. Uh, you know, they've beaten Illinois here and there. You know, perfect situation for them is they're 4-1 and one going into their off week uh, and then going to Iowa in the middle of October. That's the ideal situation for them. Yeah. More realistic is they're probably three and two. Uh, but I think at that point, they've still put themselves in a position to possibly get six wins out of that. Yeah. Uh, but they, anything less than three and two. And I think they're headed for, I know a three and nine year, a four and eight year type of thing. I, I just don't think they're going to recover because that is the, you know, softest part of the schedule. Uh, is the early part before you really get into, you know, the Iowa, the Wisconsin, and everybody else in the Big Ten. And they've got they've got a chance to win some games late. Michigan State is a program that's struggling right now. You know, them and Nebraska have had good games, close games over the years. You know, Indiana, you know, is usually always a close game. Um, in Northwestern, you know, they might take a step back this year based on where they've been. And that game's in Wrigley Field, so. Oh, cool. That'll be fun. So Wrigley yeah. Field on November 20th. That'll be interesting. That could be cool. Yeah. yeah. But to me, as I said, I think just trying to find a way to get to six wins and kind of take it from there. And uh, and I think that should be the goal. It's, you know, one thing Nebraska fans, it's taken us a while. But <laughs> I think we're slowly coming to appreciate is there are just there's no automatic wins in the Big Ten. Um, you, you, it's tempting to, like, glance through here and, as a Nebraska, looking at Nebraska fan, be like, oh, that's a win, that's a win. But you just can't. You just can't. Purdue And Purdue is one that I think Nebraskans often want to think of as a win. But we've had some ugly games <laughs> against Purdue, some nasty losses. So there's just – so I can – I'm looking through this, trying to think of it from a Purdue perspective. And, yeah, I think you're right. Like six wins is, is doable, but it could be a hard – especially if they don't start strong, that could be hard to get to. So I view Purdue and Nebraska now like Nebraska viewed Iowa State. So it's a program you should beat every year, but they always play close. They always play it tough. And then that one year, two years, they have a chance to ruin your season. And they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're kind of a nemesis to, to mm -hmm. Nebraska. And I think that's kind of how this has all played out until, you know, if, if Nebraska can, can, can get back and start challenging again for the West again. Also, I feel like every year, we, we, fortunately it's at Nebraska this year. I feel every year we've played, at Ross Aid Stadium, we've had like a really weird injury to one of our players. True. <laughs> Happened <There's>, last year. <laughs> yeah, like in the warm-ups, right? And then right. I remember the first time we played there, <clears throat> Jared Crick hurt his ankle. And I can't remember all the ones. I just feel like every year we play there, someone gets a weird, like impactful injury. So right. Another thing. Um, talking to our friends at the Eyes on Big podcast, they had some questions they suggested I'd ask. And one is how is the two, how do you think the two O-line coach system is working out or going to work out? Well, that, that, that's an interesting question because, um, 
the fact that you that the fact that Jeff Brom, you know, you only get ten assistants, and he's he's elected to put two on the offensive sure. line tells you the importance of that, and tells you that you know that's a group that needs to take a step forward, and you know, and they've got a veteran there in Neil Callaway who has bounced around many stops in college football, so that that's an interesting piece of their team to follow. And I, and again, you know, similar to some of their guys on defense, they don't they don't have a star on that offensive line. There's not one guy. I mean, I think they can be a solid group together, but you know, you you do need you know some stars there to kind of push yourself forward, especially when you're up against the Ohio State's of the world and uh, and everybody else that you play in the Big Ten. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's a curious storyline from Purdue standpoint to see how much progress is made. Uh, on the offensive line, and some of it can be visible to the the everyday fan, and some of it's not. Um, but as I said earlier, I think some of their depth has been eaten away at, mm-hmm. and and they they probably can't afford an injury right now to one of their one of their main guys. The other question they suggested was, you know, assuming we get to six wins here, maybe even pushing for seven, who who's going to emerge as a big name that maybe we aren't talking about right now? Um, probably on the offensive side, um, that would, I, I would like to see them incorporate their tight end a little bit more in the passing game. Um, uh, Payne Durham. I mean, he, he's a guy that's played the last couple of years and, uh, he was a red zone machine, I think a couple of years ago. I, I, I think they need to highlight him a little bit more and he could be a guy that would be under the radar for most people. Uh, that I think, you know, as you pay a lot of attention to David Bell, and if they can get one of those other receivers to step up and be consistent, then a guy like Payne Durham can really thrive and have an opportunity to get a lot of one-on-one matchups against, you know, maybe some smaller linebackers or some safeties. And that's, they, they thought they had that against Minnesota last year, but there was a referee that thought otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he'd be the guy I'd go with on offense and, and defensively. Um, I, I would say probably, you know, you start looking at, um, maybe one of their transfers on the defensive line, Prince Boyd, uh, DeMario, uh, DeMario Lewis, who came from Indiana, are two guys that will see some playing time. Uh, then in the back half, you got uh, Jamari Brown, who transferred in from Kentucky. And they interesting that uh, Purdue also took a transfer from Finley, Ohio, a Division II school. Christopher Jefferson hmm. is, a, is a guy that I think, well, number one, will get some action on special teams but might get an opportunity to play in the back half as well. All right. Well, Mike is at Carmen underscore JC on Twitter. That's C-A-R-M-I-N. And uh, at J Connell, C-O-N-L-I-N-E. Uh, is your paper's Twitter handle? Where else can our listeners read your material? Well, jconline.com is our website. Um, the Twitter universe, I'm usually there. Uh, and sometimes on Instagram, I'll do a 30 oh. second video about oh, really? maybe some breaking news or observations, just something I've been uh, kind of toying around with. Oh, good for you. A guy that's 59 is now, hey, this Instagram thing might work. I don't know. As a guy who's 36, <laughs> I don't have energy for it. So good for you. <laughs> I got too many. Well, I don't have any energy now. for it. I'm just like, hey, let's try this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. That's awesome. So what so what is your uh, Instagram handle? It's the same as my Twitter, I think. Okay, so Carmen underscore JC. Yeah. Instagram. 
Cool. I try to keep try to keep things as simple as possible. Yeah, way to be consistent. <laughs> cool. Well, Mike, it's been great talking to you, and uh, enjoy uh, in person football season this fall. Hopefully, hopefully we get there. All right, but I appreciate appreciate you having me. Thank you very you much. We'll see you next time. Thanks again to Mike Carmen for once again joining us on the podcast. As always, you can connect with him and read his work by following the links in our show notes. On behalf of Justin, this is Mike saying, go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.